Is it just me or is golf equipment crazy expensive? I don't know. I, I, in the past 10 years, I think golf equipment has just gotten outrageous. What do you guys think? What's going on, everybody? This is Jake Harris with the Rough Golf Podcast, episode number 13. That's 1-3. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. We're going to be talking about the cost of golf equipment gone insane, okay? I mean, prices are way up. Of course, there is inflation going on, but this was happening before inflation, and uh, I felt like I needed to speak about it. Got to get the word out, if you guys don't already know. If you guys listened to any of my previous podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you dropped down and left a rating or review after the show, and you have the opportunity to get a shout-out in one of my future podcasts, and also enter into the Rough Golf Hall of Fame. Very exclusive group, but you have the opportunity to get in there. All you got to do is leave a rating or review. I know the head honcho. I could put in a good word for you. So, golf equipment. It is costly. And that really hurts us average golfers, us budget golfers. We're out there working, earning our paychecks, and then we want to go have a good time on the golf course and uh, not have to pay double or triple what we were paying uh, you know, 10 years ago. And can this expense, this increase in the cost of golf equipment from clubs to clothes to golf balls, is it justified? I am not so sure. I started golf way back in the early 90s, started playing golf, and uh, I used to love getting the Golfsmith catalogs. I don't even think it's Golfsmith anymore. I think it's Golf Galaxy or something like that. Um, but I would get that. I would get Edwin Watts Golf Shop. And uh, I actually like requested the catalogs, and I would just thumb through them and be like, man, that tailor-made burner driver, I'm going to have that one day because it's so cool. I want to hit it, you know, and, and I'd go and play uh, some golf with uh, my grandfather or with the school team, and uh, one of the guys out there would have that tailor-made driver, and I'd be like, man, that thing looks so cool. Oh, they also had the firewood, which was, I really thought that was so cool. I just liked the name, and I wanted to get that. And I wanted to play that club, but my hopes were dashed as a uh, nine-year-old when I uh, looked at the cost of the tailor-made driver, and it was three hundred dollars. And I realized, whoa, I can't afford that. You know, I'm I'm over here rolling pennies from uh, the uh, odd jobs that I'm able to do as a nine or ten-year-old. I can't afford a three hundred-dollar driver. So at the time. Um, late 90s, early 2000s, I was thinking prices even then were expensive, you know, but I didn't realize that there were some other things behind the club that justified that price, which was namely the technology that went into the club, the club head, the shaft, all of that. I mean, TaylorMade had that bubble shaft. I'm sure some guy, some executive there, when it first came out and they thought it was going to revolutionize the game, made a made a big bunch of money, and they could justify a $300 driver. Later on, we learned that you really don't want the bubble shaft because they're very difficult and expensive to regrip if you can even find anybody to do it. So that experience as a, as a kid getting into golf and how expensive it was, you know, really, it really set the pace for um, where I am today with Rough Golf and the Rough Golf Podcast, where I advocate uh, investing in really nice pre-owned golf clubs that won't cost you an arm and a leg 
and uh, likely have you kicked out of your own house because you can't afford to pay your bills and they're just too expensive. So um, today I want to talk about the new equipment that's out and the difference in pricing from uh, when I first started in the game of golf to now. So we're going to use two, the year 2000 as a good uh, baseline for the cost of equipment and we're going to visit the cost of equipment in current year 2022 and see how much that's changed. So I did some research and the average cost of a name brand, we're all we're dealing with name brand drivers here, um, the big names obviously Callaway, TaylorMade, uh, Cobra, Mizuno, those type drivers is around $500. That's the average cost for their kind of market standard driver. Now you will find some cheaper models out there I've seen some as low as 400, but they're maybe geared more towards like your senior players or your entry level players, but not your average golfers that have been doing this for a while and just, hey, they want a new driver. You know, they want to enjoy some of the new technology that's being touted by these companies, uh, like the TaylorMade Stealth sending the ball into outer space. So, $500. That's, that's big, big money right now, okay? 500 bucks is. That's more than some of us make in a week, okay? You can't afford to be paying $500 for a driver. I mean, gosh, that's, that's crazy expensive. Well, when I go back to 2000s, the average, the, when I go back to 2000, the average starting price for that same, you know, a, a comparable model of driver, the standard uh, driver by these big name brands was around $300. So in 22 years, the price has jumped around 200 bucks. I don't know if we could look at the wages from 2000 and see if our wages have risen to meet the increase in cost of those drivers. You know, our, is $300 now, or $300 now would be, that'd be a pretty decent price for a brand new, fully technologically advanced driver. That'd be, that'd be a real good price. But have our wages caught up to where the, the cost of the driver is now at $500? I'm not so sure they have. I, I don't think that uh, it's gotten any better for the average golfer at this point in time as far as the cost of clubs go. And then you have to question the improvements that have been made because Every company will tell you, oh, the reason that this driver is $500 is because we've spent tons of money in research and development to provide the absolute best product to our consumer to make sure that they have the best experience possible with their golfing driver. We're going to get you the most distance, the most forgiveness, the most accuracy. All of the good, all the good things that the companies say that you're going to get when you shell out, you know, a week's worth of money to buy this driver. And some of us, that's two weeks worth of money. So that's that's big bucks. But has the technology really improved that much? You know, ha are we hitting the driver further enough to justify a $200 increase in the cost of it? I did a little research, and I wanted to find out. And uh, one of the guy one of the golf guys on YouTube named Rick Shields he's he's a pretty big name in YouTube golf did a comparison a few years ago between an old ping driver from like 1997 98 
uh, and the new ping driver, which is 20 years past. So I think it was like 2017 or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but he compared a driver that was 20 years newer than the old driver. His comparison netted him a total of 14 yards extra distance. 1997-year driver versus 2017 driver, 14 yards. So now that we have a comparison, you know, at least his comparison, we can see uh, what we're gaining for an extra $200. So I have to ask you, when I saw that comparison, I realized like, whoa, there's really no reason to invest in a brand new driver. I mean, 14 yards, a lot of people could argue that would make a huge difference in their game. And, and to most, it may. I don't know that the average golfer is going to benefit more so by 14-yard gain and a $500 loss instead of using an older club, not hitting it quite as far, but being able to play a lot more golf and practice a lot more than you would if you spent all that money on a $500 driver. So yes, the technology has improved. Has it improved to the extent of an additional $200 as a starting price for a driver? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. And I actually play an older driver. No, it is not a 1997 model. It's a 2015 model, but I spent 100 bucks on it, not $500. And it seems to be keeping up pretty well, even with modern-day drivers. So, again, the technology leap is, is there. It's noticeable, but is it as huge as they're making it out to be? No, not really. Then I decided to move from a driver, which is, that's really the big-ticket item that most people look at, to a set of irons. And I remember back in the early 2000s, the year 2000, uh, an iron set, you get a really nice name brand iron set for about $600 to $700. That was the average cost that you would see. Some brands would be a little bit higher, some a little bit lower, but that's where it fell in between six and 700 bucks. You're gonna get you a high quality three through pitching wedge set. And now when I look at those same name brand irons, most of the time that price falls around $1,000. Again, another $300 increase. Whereas the driver had about a $200 increase, the iron sets are about a $300 increase. So obviously more clubs. There is probably not as much R&D that goes into iron sets because people don't switch them out as often. You know, you buy an iron set, most of the time, even if you've got dough, it's going to last you five years before you switch up, unless you just... Every year you want the latest and greatest and the shiniest clubs. But it's going to last you a long time, you know. So people aren't replacing their iron sets like they would their driver every year when a new one came out. Now, that price point, $1,000, okay, that is, that is very, very expensive, all right, especially for your average golfer. That's more than most house payments, okay. When you, think, when you break that down and think about, like, holy cow, I'm about to spend $1,000 on a set of metal sticks and that's more than what I pay for my home mortgage or my rent or my car payment. Wow, that's a lot. So I do not, under any circumstances, advise buying a brand new set of irons and paying $1,000 for them. That just seems, it seems silly. Unless you got the money to burn, there's really no reason to because there are so many good choices in the pre-owned market that will do the same, if not more, than a brand new set of $1,000 irons, okay? Save your money, people, on that. But to get back to the disparity in cost, 
again, $700 early 2000s all the way up to $1,000 now on average. I thought back in 2000 that was too much for a set of golf clubs. I mean, really, how much research and development can you do on an iron? It's the same darn thing they've been using since way back when, when golf started. Yes, the shafts are different because they have metal and graphite instead of hickory wood. Yes, the club faces are different. But from 1995 and on, how much have irons really changed? You know what happens. What they do is they take the same cavity back iron that they've been producing for decades and they just slap a different sticker in the back of it. Maybe put a different piece of plastic across it to make it look a little bit different. But the technology is the same there. Oh, it's got higher moment of inertia. It's got more perimeter weighting. It's got a larger club face. These are micro, micro changes to an already existing platform that costs them next to nothing that I do not see how they can spend the money that they spend or that they claim that they spend in the design of these clubs with as little as they do to them. They make it sound like they do a lot, but it's really not that different than last year model or a model from 10 years ago. So just think about that when you're looking at the cost difference. I think that the, the golf brands have just said, oh, wait, we're having to pay people more, so we're going to charge people more. There's more investment in uh, professional golfers and sponsorships and paying for these events and things like that. So now we've got to up the price, okay? And, and I don't think anywhere is more evident in the cost of golf equipment than probably the rise in cost of golf balls over the past few years. Now, this one's a bit of, a, of a, an issue for me because I don't like to pay any money for new golf balls. I really dislike paying money for uh, brand new golf balls. You know, and what, what I mean by that is I don't like to go and buy a dozen brand new golf balls off the shelf when I can go out on the course and find a dozen new golf balls that people have hit once into the rough or whatever and, you know, there you go. You've got your, your own golf, your lost golf balls become your golfing equipment. Now, in some cases, you're going to need a new set of golf balls. Obviously, if you're playing in a tournament, you got to have a new sleeve of golf balls. You can't just pick up one and we don't know if it's tournament ready. So we, we need an official set of golf balls. But um, I don't advise going out and spending crazy amounts of money on a full box of golf balls right? Unless you just got the money to spend or that's, you know, that makes you really happy and excited and gets you confident in the game of golf. Like, hey, you know, spending 50 bucks on a dozen golf balls really makes me confident in my game because I've got a brand new, brand spanking new golf ball I can use for the round. But the cost of golf balls today is, is huge. So back in 2000, we all know what happened. Late 1999, early 2000, the Titleist Pro V1 came out. This has been golf's premier golf ball for several years now. I mean, there's it's something like more than 50% of the professional golf players out there are rolling a Titleist. That's an impressive number. And it may be more than that. Last time I checked, I think it was a little bit over 50%, but that's huge, okay? That's, that's, that is a huge market share of selling golf balls. But with the uh, 50% players using the Titleist golf ball comes an increase in cost. So in 2000s, 
you could find a dozen Pro V1 golf balls for around 30 bucks a dozen. Okay, that that was a pretty that was a steep price. I remember thinking, you know, I wish those were closer to about twenty dollars a dozen, but 30, 30 to thirty five, depending on where you purchased them from, was was the average. Now those same golf balls are fifty bucks. Okay, so again an increase. And they tell you every year in, year out, that the technology is changing, changing, changing. But what made the Titleist Pro V1 golf ball was the fact that I think the big thing that really hit me when I saw them was the stopping power on the green. The fact that you've got a quality ball that could actually spin on the green and was very responsive compared to some of the other manufacturers that were out there. So... Titleist has developed this, this framework for the Pro V1, and they just keep trying to add to it and justify a, a cost increase with each change that they make to the ball. But if you've already patented a technology from way back in 1999, 98, whatever, and now you're saying that each new year this ball gets better and better and better, how can that be? You know, Are you changing the formula for the covers and the internals and all that stuff? All that much? No, I don't believe that. And what I'm getting at here is, are you really making those huge technological advancements in the ball development to justify a higher cost? I'm not so sure about that. You know, what more can you do to an already amazing golf ball? And no, I'm not sponsored by Titleist, and I don't play a Titleist Pro V1 unless I find them because I'm not going to pay $50 for a dozen golf balls. What more can you do to a golf ball that's already performed so well to make it even better? You know, it's, it's the law of diminishing returns. You've already created a really, really good product, and now you're, you know, out of ways to continue to raise the price for that product. You know, manufacturers are always on the hunt to try to make some advancements so that they can claim these new things. You know, this is a better ball than before. The cover is different, and... How much different is it? Different enough to justify a price increase? I don't think so. Okay, There are better options out there and cheaper options out there that perform just as well, uh, namely finding these golf balls on a golf course that doesn't cost you anything other than your greens fees, and you can pick up five or six of them round and, uh, and be able to enjoy the benefit of not paying $50 a dozen. You know, Or, if you don't want to do that, you can go on to uh, eBay or Amazon and you can get balls that have been, you can get found balls, people sell them online, or refurbished balls and you're going to get, get a product that's good at uh, an affordable cost and not have to pay $50 a dozen. So, so if we break down each of these from the drivers to the irons to the cost of golf balls, yes, there have been some technological advancements. Are they enough to justify the price increases? That's debatable. Really, I don't think so. I'm not so sure that that technological advancement has, you know, stayed on track with the cost of the club. I don't know. I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Tell me what you think. Let me know. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or review down below. I'd really appreciate it. Helps out the podcast. I will pick one of those reviews and give a shout out and a thank you on a future podcast episode. And you have the chance to join the Rough Golf Hall of Fame, very exclusive group. But you can get in by just leaving a review for the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep on swinging. 